What's up, guys? I started a podcast, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. No, but for real. So what what I'm hoping to get out of this is is, is I'm hoping to, to release these in conjunction with rough logs so that you guys can get a more in-depth look at, at the people I'm fishing with, where I'm fishing, um, some of the challenges and that we had during the day of fishing, the good and the bad, um, as, as well as, as kind of those conversations that you have with your friends at the end of a day of fishing, whether it's leaning over the tailgate of your truck, sitting around a, on a porch watching the sun go down. I really kind of wanted to try to capture some of those conversations and pass them on to you. Um, and I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm excited that to be doing this and, and to offer it to you guys. I think it's going to definitely help. Uh, I think it's going to be good for the channel. And, and what I'm asking from you guys, though, that are watching and listening to this is please, in the comment section, let me know what you think. I want to hear the good. I want to hear the bad. I want to hear the ugly. I want to know how to make this this podcast uh, best for y'all, what, what you guys want to see and hear so that... Uh, we can all grow as anglers. Um, this week, I've got my buddy Parker on. We talk about growing bass, freshwater fly fishing, saltwater fly fishing, and we ended off talking about um, Parker's YouTube channel and a little bit into, like I said, how the day went on the rough vlog. So listen to this. Check out the rough vlog. It'll be coming out Friday. I hope you guys enjoy it. We had a great day on the water, and this is a really great conversation. Anyways, I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let Parker talk some Skiff Wanderer podcast episode one. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Alright guys, welcome. Uh, this is actually the second podcast that I've recorded like this um, for this channel hoping to make it more of a regular thing 
in the channel, kind of give a background to some of the guys I'm fishing with, talk about the work that they're doing, and uh, hopefully promote some of them a little bit. So you guys should definitely check them out, whoever they're with. Um, yeah, just kind of hopefully give you guys some more tips in fly fishing, some of the challenges that, that come along with fly fishing, um, everything from tips with fly fishing to travel tips, you know, we'll see see where it goes. Um, but, so, this is the second one that I've done, and today I'm joined by Parker from Parker's Outdoor Life, right? Yeah, yep. I was the worst with remembering <laughs> shit, that's why I have my phone with me so I can remember stuff. Um, so, Parker, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So, I guess I'm one of those guys that you just grew up fishing. Yeah. You know, starring like around four or five years old, going out with dad, bass fishing, fishing the local city ponds for bluegill, you know, bobber and worm. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, you know hell, I guess a lot of us started, but over, you know, that's been my outlet to the outdoors. Yeah. You know, I grew up hunt, uh, hunting as well, whitetail deer in Oklahoma, got into ducks late, but fishing was that one thing that I was like, I always did. That one consistent, yeah. Yes. And then, uh, when did you start fly fishing? I started fly fishing only about like two years ago. Yeah. So after I got done with grad school at OU, I got a job working for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Oh, nice. I worked in uh, Gunnison, Colorado. Worked at the two fish hatcheries there. Okay. I was technically a seasonal employee, employee, so I really only worked nine months out nine months out of the year. But when I moved there, uh, I had to get her. I got a roommate while I was there, and turns out he did my job at the hatcheries before me. And he was a, he, uh, he went from working for the government to being a fishing guide okay. out there. So we had that mutual thing of, okay, we both like to fish. Well, you can't cast a spinning rod over there because it's sacrilegious. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, pretty fast he started, there was a local stalker pond that well stocked right next to the airport and that's where like almost every night me and him and he would teach me how to get the beginning cast down make air you know I don't know how many times I've heard too far on your back cast <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah he uh he kind of ha hammered it in me but it was one of those things where you know like anything else in life you've you find something you're passionate about and you want to get better about it, you just do it until yeah. your arm hurts. Yeah, yeah. So it was just a bunch of times, you know, the first fish I actually caught on the fly. I was not trying to catch a fish. I was just trying to learn how to cast. So I was like, okay, how do I get this thing to me now? But it, there was just one of those moments where, you know, it just kind of clicked. Yeah. Where you, you kind of, you, it's like, okay, that's how the cast is supposed to happen. But that's where I started fly fishing was Colorado trout, you know, trout bumming okay. everywhere. And then uh, what kind of the hatchery? Like what kind of what kind of fish were y'all growing? So mainly rainbow trout. Okay. At 
one of the, at one of the hatcheries I worked at. Then at another hatchery we did do rainbow trout. Uh, different like you know subspecies of rainbow trout to if you want to get into it, yeah. you get technical yeah. in, technical into it. Another subspecies to be honest. Yeah, so you know, fun fact in Colorado there's something called whirling disease. Okay. And a lot of the public waters mm-hmm. and what it is is a two stage parasite that affects really the nervous system of trout. And what it does is it really affects fry when their little notochords are developing where it kind of gives them a kink in their spinal column and it just causes them to spin around. That's why they call it whirling disease. But in the end, it creates a very high mortality uh, to spawning fish. Yeah. So if a fish is older and gets it, it'll usually be fine, but it affects the fry uh, mortality. So we now have rainbows that are whirling disease resistant. I got you. uh, So that's what we mainly stock in those uh, public waters. Okay. But we had, you know, cut bows, hybrids between cutthroats and rainbows. At my hatchery, we didn't do any brown trout. We had, yeah, mainly we had had regular cutthroat trout and rainbows. That's the two ones that we had at at the hatcheries I was at. And other hatcheries did brown trout and brook trout. And that's and that's your your background when you were at OU. That's what you were studying was uh, not not exactly trout. Mm-hmm. It was by uh, when I went to OU and I got my bachelor's in biology. I kind of had to with OU. They don't really they they're like a pre med program you. for their yeah. biology yeah. students. So I really had to form my own kind of path within that. Okay. And, you know, take all the classes with all the ologies at the end of it, you know, <laughs> ichthyology, stream ecology, all that kind of stuff. For my master's, which I did at OU, I studied stream fish mm-hmm. in eastern Oklahoma. So, men, like, you know, tiny minnows, little darters through bass. Okay. And, the, and you know, different species of small catfish as well. Yeah. But really studying how with climate change and there being less water and headwater streams and these small streams in Oklahoma because it's littered through the Ozark Basin and Awashita water mm-hmm. sheds. There's a culverts that people made that go across that cross these streams with less water, these culprits are causing issues with these fish being able to move upstream to spawn so we're seeing a loss of habitat and population range of these you know small stream fish right but it's hard to get people to really care about it yeah you know a minnow there's no like you know besides saying oh those are really cool we have that yeah they don't produce the type of money that right bat, that yeah. bass and sport fish do yeah so the gist of that story was that, okay, these fish can't jump from the bottom of the plunge pool to go swim up through the culvert, and these culverts, uh, they compress water so it 
moves faster through these culverts. These fish can't swim with that. I guess. They swim against it. Yeah. So they're generally weaker swimming fish, not like trout or salmon that can really swim, swim, swim through fast currents. So the big push is to create stream crossing and river crossings that make it more a natural stream bed underneath so these fish can continue to move upstream. Okay. So warm water fish it would be like my background. Yeah. Uh, just having to land the hatchery gig in Colorado, so that was a whole new, you know, world. Yeah. Than what I than yeah. what I than what I was used yeah. to. Really, no, but you know, really cool experience being able to live in a cool place. And my office was in the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so, no, it's beautiful up there for sure. Yeah. And then, uh, so what what brought you to Texas? So. Not going to speak on trying to do the job market in Colorado. <laughs> but, no, just like the, looking for other opportun- opportunities. The uh, ones in Colorado were, I wouldn't say dwindling. Yeah. It was just, it's very cutthroat and competitive. I got you. It's a cool place to live. A lot of people want to do it. Yeah. There's a lot of competition. And, you know, not to just, you know, discourage people who want to to be biologists or work for a state agency. It's just a very cutthroat thing. Yeah. But I started exploring more options, and I found a private agency down here. It's a private pond management uh, slash fish hatchery down here in Texas who were looking for a biologist to run their pond surveys and do population surveys on private ranches. Yeah, Yeah, you know, private water. Really, so after a few phone calls, very uh, talking with the owners, well, I'm down, down, down here yeah, now. Yeah, so I'm down, down here now. So I run a electro fishing boat, go to private ranches, you know, shock, shock the water, see what fish come up, how many fish, what their bass or their sport fish are looking like. Yeah, saying hey. Do you want to, what's your goal? Do you want to grow 10 plus pound bass? Do you want to have a lot of five, you know, more five pounders? You just want a fun fishery for the grandkids. Yeah. You know, we kind of try to tailor it to what the customer wants. Right. For, for the future. Yeah, that's cool. It's like just one of those things that, you, you know, in the back of your mind, you kind of know what's going on on a lot of those ponds and stuff, but you never really put a lot of thought into it. It's kind of cool that, uh, doing something like that so so if uh, anybody wants 10 pound bass in their pond they need to give you a call huh yeah yeah well <laughs> well, we'll see they, you know people think it's just oh hey just give them a bunch of fish yeah you know it, give them a bunch of stuff to eat but a bass will eat 100 pounds of forage for it before it grows up how do you pound. yeah how do you make a 10 pound bass like what does it take it's a uh, consistent it's Having a population base that, like bluegill or something, that yeah. will spawn multiple times a year, mm-hmm. but it's also having less mouths to feed. So, so all right. So, yeah, yeah. it's, uh, you know, you can grow, you know, maybe in an acre, a couple acre pond, you might have maybe 15, 20, maybe five pound bass if you're really feeding them. Yeah. But it comes to the point where you have to start taking out the five pound bass to so, get to the eight pound bass. Yeah. Take out the eight pound bass to get to the ten pound bass, so it's uh, it's create it's cre- creating that sort of environment. Yeah, where you know some ponds 
I can kind of say, hey, a 10-pounder is attainable, but it's going to be, one, a lot of money, yeah. and, and it's going to be a lot of work. You know, I can only tell people to, hey, do this, and it's up to them to actually <laughs> actually do that. You know, the biggest song and dance is, I have a bunch of two-pound bass. I have, like, you know, hundreds of two-pound bass. Why don't I have any bigger bass? You're not taking out any of the two-pound yeah, <laughs> two right bass. Yeah. Two <laughs> so, no, that's that's what I do now, you know. I'm hoping someone will give me, like, a monster bluegill you know, project, and yeah. just grow those big bluegill with the, yeah. you know, with the foreheads. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, that's, you know, big bass are cool, but I think big bluegill are so underrated. That was, like, when I was growing up, I fished a bunch of golf courses, and it seemed like all, all of them had, like, the, you know, the bluegill the size of your hand. Yeah. And I, I always, I mean, I like, you know, every now and then you'd find the bass, and it was fun to catch those, but man, you could sit there and just hammer on the bluegill all day. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's kind so of the unsung... Fun. Yeah, hero. it's like, yeah, you know, bass are fun, but you take a little ultralight rod. Oh yeah, to a, you know, with like two pound line. Mm-hmm. Those big bluegill will give you. They'll give yeah. you a run for your money. Oh, they're yeah. they're a lot. They have a lot more fight in them than definitely people think. So how often um, do you sneak a fly rod into some of these places to catch? I'm, I'm trying. I'm Can't trying, answer that. I'm trying, I'm trying to get buddy buddy with with, yeah. with, with, a, with a few people, but no. Most of the time, it's whenever I go out and do a survey. Yeah. Only when we know in previous history that they have a ton of bass. Yeah. Might throw a line. Might yeah, throw a man. line in there because we're just trying to take bass out. Most of the time, for some places, all we do is we have our fish hauling truck. And we'll just take as many bass out as we can because they produce that many Jeez. bass. And, you know, might be fun to, to you know, sneak a line in there just to keep them, keep them shocking so yeah. much. But, yeah, you know, most of the time whenever we're out doing the surveys, it's always like the grandpa's grandkid is out there on the boat trying to net up fish. And that's, that's, that's pretty, that's, you know, that's really fun. Yeah, I bet, that's, yeah I bet those kids love that. Yeah. You know, you shock up a, you know, 45-pound grass carp that's 45, 50 inches long. You're like, what is that? And, uh, yeah, that's that's what keeps all that grass down, <laughs> that grass down in, in this pond. So it's kind of cool to see, and we've seen now that, you know, with the older generation, they're starting to kind of pass on, you know, some of their properties to the younger kids. Mm-hmm. And they're way more in tune with the fishing side of things. Rather than, you know, growing big white tails. Yeah. Stuff like that. You. So you're seeing yeah. more guys that are like, oh, I really want to make my pond. Rather than just saying, hey, we had a pond. Mm-hmm. These guys are really starting to take, you know, the pond side serious. Yeah, so. not just the, yeah, that makes sense. Not just the deer side of things. Yeah. Um, so before you moved down here, because you, you started saltwater fly fishing, have you done any before you moved down here? No. Colorado was my first time fly yeah. fishing. No, I've salt I've saltwater fished before. Right. Um, when I was eighteen, my folks we did a vacation down in Florida and did the tarpon yeah. thing. So that so I'm like oh, Alex, so that that was pretty that's pretty fun, you know, after battling those on, you know, spinning tackle. Yeah. And you know, learning flood the fly rod, I'm like, okay, that's <laughs> That, that, that's up. That's up oh, there on man. the on the uh, on the list for sure. I'm like, okay, you know, 
those things will test out any spinning tackle you got. Yeah. Now on a fly rod, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be insane. So that's all, that's on that's definitely on the bucket list for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's I think on it's definitely on my bucket list. I know I've I've seen them with the fly rod in my hand. I, I haven't been able to get an eat on them. I, I tell you what, the guys that sit there and constantly produce it, like you watch those some of those guys that constantly are catching them and and more power to them. Yeah. I knew it. All right, so you've you've saltwater fished a little bit, um, and what's your your main focus has been? I mean, Texas coast. I'm assuming redfish, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, what are some of the things that that you've noticed coming from more of a freshwater background and fly fishing to now you're starting to get into the saltwater? What are some of the things that 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 some of the challenges that you feel like you're you're facing? Yeah, I mean, trout don't pull drag. <laughs> no, it's, you know, you'll never have a trout take you to your backing. Yeah. And both have their, I would say, similar challenges. Mm-hmm. Especially the hardest thing to do I, if for me in Colorado is fishing tailwaters. Okay. You know, they're pl- places that are generally always catch and release. Yeah. They're always packed with people. And... It's frustrating whenever you can cast at a fish and then not care what's going in front of it. Because he's seen the same fly. Yes, you know, I've been there before when I'm throwing a nymph rig at like a 25 inch rainbow and all you can literally see that little fly just, you know, just go over its nose. It's like that thing was right in front of you. It could have eaten. You don't care. It doesn't care. And down here, plus where I was at, I mean, there was no wind. Like, yeah, I, I didn't have to. It, casting was no problem once I got it down. But down here, with a way heavier rod, mm-hmm. you know, not used to the light action, you know, really bendy five weights. <laughs> yeah, throwing an eight weight with a super fast tip. That's that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah, still. yeah, it's just you got to be able to. Okay, you see that fish thirty yards in front of you, like you said when we were out fishing, you got to paint a mustache on it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you gotta nail, you gotta almost nail it right in front of the nose. Yeah. To really get that. And you make a back cast and crosswind hits, hits you. You gotta adapt. So that's my, that's the biggest thing for me. And, you know, I'd say these fish down here are pressured as, pressured as well when it comes to fishermen. So it's still a challenge of getting, getting one to eat. Yeah. Right, right in front of you, but it's just, it's, I think you have different challenges, but I think in the salt, there, well, you have way more to over, overcome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for sure. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of my big, my big deal. It's, I've all, I think, I've only been consistent like the past couple weekends. You know, me and my dad, we went and got a guide. And, you know, before that, I mean, I'm just tossing at random stuff, thinking, okay, there's a bunch of boils, that must be reds. No, it's mullet. It's 99% of the time it's mullet. Yeah. But after that, and being able to see fish, and now I've learned how to find fish, starting to get a little more consistent. Yeah. But it's still, it's still, it's still hard. It's like for a newbie like me, just, oh, hey, oh, I'm going to. Bomb this guy. I'm gonna put this thing right in front of it, and your line just goes to the. <laughs> so yeah. it's a aim small, miss small. 
Yeah. Uh, kind of, kind of, kind of fishery. Yeah. Or just saltwater fly fishing in general. Yeah, it's definitely. Um, I mean, when I first really started getting into it, you'd have day. I'd have days where you just would see fish all day long and just nothing. You know. Even if you would get fish that would finally present themselves in a way where you where you could actually get a cast on, because I had the same trouble when I first started, you know, just trying to get a handle on an eight weight, and then once you kind of got your handle on that, then you got to get it faster and faster and faster because the fish, these fish, you know, they know you're there, they're looking at you, especially you get the gin clear water down here, they see the boat, and yeah. if you move, I mean, you can, I've I've watched where just the boat rocks a little bit to the side and the fish takes off. Yeah, that's all it takes. So it's definitely, I think, one of the big things I've seen with a lot of guys that have a lot of freshwater background when they come down is 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 the speed at which everything happens. Because if the guy on the back sees the fish, you know, like a lot of guys, as I've gotten into it, if the guy on the back spots a fish, I start getting a cast out because I know like the t- the, the clock starts and yeah. you just you got moments, and then you know you might be able to get two false casts out before that fish fish will pick it up. And I mean, I've seen where just the fly rod swinging in a half swing to start back and the fish will pick up that movement from the boat and it'll yeah. take off. So it's definitely, yeah, I think it's definitely a big challenge. All right, so we talked a little bit about uh, your background, saltwater fishing. Now the big thing, the next thing that, that I kind of want to talk to you about is you've got your own YouTube channel. Yeah. Right? So that's kind of how uh, Parker and I actually met, is he caught one of my videos, he left a couple messages, and then we started talking and, you know, met up, went fishing for a day. Yeah. So um, I, wanted, I was going to say, what you talk about your YouTube channel a little bit. What, what, do, you got, what do you do on there? What, what would someone expect to find if they got onto your channel? Yeah, I'll expect to find videos of a guy that looked like he just found a GoPro and used, <laughs> you know, Windows Movie Maker to... Make some uh, just stitch clips together. Yeah. No, but a lot of I guess my stuff is I do like anything outdoors and you know Parker's outdoor lifestyle. I kind of I've been through several different you know name changes. You know. Yeah. You know through I've gone through the phase of trying you know oh make a you know do a make make a brand name you know stuff like that and I was like I think I just want to make videos. Yeah. I just want to show people hey. I do a lot of stuff outdoors. If that can, you know, inspire someone to get outdoors, then then that's worth it for yeah. me. So a lot of the stuff I'm trying to get into now and with YouTube is more, I guess, more informational stuff mm-hmm. as well. You know, have videos, having fun, catching fish, you know, enjoying the outdoors, but get more into the, more the teaching side or at least, you know, getting into more vocal about conservation things going on in our waterways you know a lot of i think it's a good outlet because i mean every person has one of those you know two thousand dollar computers in their in the palm of their hand yeah and i think there's a lot of stuff that you know people can learn either from my own past experiences or experiences i've learned talking with other people that i can convey through videos as well, but you know, you'll see bass. You know, a lot of bass videos, some hiking videos, bass videos, hiking. You know, tra- catching trout. Yeah. Uh, like you know, <laughs> going through the you know the my discography 
or yeah. on the channel. But now I'm starting to do more of the saltwater thing. Haven't consistently uploaded in a in a while, so yeah. you'll, see, you'll see those those breaks in yeah. there. But now, like, I got like kind of like a whole new lease on what I want to do right. with it. So more excited to be more consistent and push. I think more valuable stuff out there. So I think it's YouTube's a good avenue for a lot of people who want to learn more about the outdoors, yeah, see, what sure. the, see what are the overlying issues with, the, uh, yeah. you know, water quality or, you know, public land loss, things, things along those lines. And I think I'm kind of, I'm going to try to incorporate more of my job into this being yeah. a private pond, private aquatic biologist saying, Hey, here's what I do. Here's yeah. the, you know, tricks of the trade. If you have a pond, you're seeing this issue, do this. Kind of do the do that a little bit more as well. But getting more into just being more vocal about outdoors issues mm-hmm. and maybe teaching people along the way. Yeah. No, that's cool because I think a lot of... I can tell you, first of all, with the giant gaps, most of, most of the guys that are subscribed to my channel are used to giant gaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to get better. <laughs> No, I mean, that's one of the tough parts, I think, with, with, a, with a lot of, like, kind of having your own little, using YouTube as kind of a side hustle is, you know, you still got a day job and it, it yeah. takes away from it. I think it's cool that, that you've consistently, regardless of consistently posting, you've consistently done it as you've traveled around. So I think that's pretty cool to have that whole kind of background to follow you around and, and everything that you've done. Um, and I know, like, a lot, it, it's good because a lot of guys, you know, are starting to find their way to the coast and it's cool to see you got to, to see people that you know i think there's a lot of people out there that that have a freshwater fly fishing background and they're trying they're starting to see yeah. the salt and they're kind of looking into it and i think there's a lot of guys that you know informational wise you know they're trying to pick up as much knowledge as they can and so that's really good um i think i like, kind of going along with that i think just saltwater fly fishing in general. Yeah. It's starting to, you know, yeah. it's starting to get, get that now. Yeah. So I can, you know, when I lived in Colorado, you had the, you know, the guys from Texas that come up every, every year to go float, yeah. you know, to go float the Gunnison river. But I think you're seeing, you know, the opposite side of that. Mm-hmm. You're seeing people who live in Alaska or like Montana or people not people in the, you know, Rocky Mountain ranges. They're starting to come down. They're starting to yeah. come down because they want to go chase for reds and trout and tarpon and all that fun and all that fun stuff. So I think the the saltwater fly fishing in general yeah. is becoming more popular to chase bigger fish, fish that pull harder. Yeah, and I think that's just the allure of it. And, you know, seeing the YouTube side of things, you know, everybody knows the. You know, Googan guys, yeah. bass guys, you know, Lojo, all, all the, you know, bass fishermen, you know, that are doing great for themselves. But, you know, I don't really see a whole lot of, you know, the saltwater, the saltwater guys. Yeah. Or doing, like, unless it's black tip page, but I'm not going to type it. <laughs> but yeah. you don't see the, you know, there's not a lot of saltwater guys or more specifically, you know, saltwater fly fishing yeah. guys out there so it's a pretty cool little 
not market, but I think niche. it's a, yeah. yeah, it's very it's very niche. Unless you're looking for to do that, mm-hmm. those are the you got to go looking for those. Yeah. No, and I mean that was like that was kind of what led me down the path to to start creating my own videos. Is is you know I'd get on YouTube and I mean like. Back in the day, I used to ski a bunch, and before you go skiing, you watch a bunch of, you know, ski films and snowboarding films, and kind of get yourself amped up, all right, we're going to go ski, and I started wanting to watch, you know, as I got more into to fly fishing, saltwater fly fishing, I wanted to go watch those saltwater fly fishing videos to get me amped up about it, and, you know, I think there's, like, I mean, there's a few of them, but, you know, you, yeah. I think I've watched, uh, Cosmo from Yeti about a thousand times. Yeah. And you, I mean, eventually it's like, man, I'm just going to go do this myself and yeah, stop or, waiting. <laughs> you know, you watch the, Mad, you know, unless the guys from Mad River Outfitters on YouTube are, they would flip down in Florida. Yeah. Like, that's really, you don't really just see that yeah. uh, too uh, too much. And I, I just think it's cool. Like, you know, yeah. it's a, it's just a, it's just a different, uh, different world. No, it's definitely, and I know that, like, like you're new down here, but you'll start to see it as you spend time down here, like, the community here in Texas, it's, it's a really cool community of guys, um, that all, you know, they all just want to fish. Yeah. And, it, and that's one of the things that, that I've, I've got into fly fishing, I enjoy fly fishing for chasing redfish, but I started falling in love, in love with it, really, as I started meeting more of the guys, and, you know, you run into a guy at a boat ramp with a skiff, and he... He's never met you before, but he'll start talking, fishing with you. What'd you use? We were using this, and where'd you go? We were going here, and, and there's a lot of back and forth. And I mean, everyone's got you know their secrets that, yeah. that they don't really like to share, but for the most part, like if you're a new guy coming into saltwater fly fishing, from what I've seen, there's a giant avenue of guys that are willing to help you and want to help. And I mean, that's that's something that that's really made me kind of fall in love with this whole community and the whole sport is, is yeah. just a giant group of people that they just want to fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely like the camaraderie is yeah. a big one. You know, you know, you could be a, you know, introvert or an extrovert or however, but I mean, having that one thing, fishing or yeah. fly fishing, that's like probably one of the easiest ways I've met yeah. <laughs> people. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I'll take, I'll go fishing with anybody. Yeah. You want to go fish? Yeah. It's, 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 it's not that hard, but you know, like how I hooked, yeah. linked up with you. I mean, I just saw a YouTube video. Oh, you're down here in Texas. Send you, you know, a couple back and forth and you know, I'm on the boat with him. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> they, they, you know, it's, it can just be as simple as reading, you know, reaching out to somebody, even through social media, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's, it's just a great way to connect. Yeah, oh, for with sure. With everybody, you know, you know, from seeing you on social media, then I've seen more people who are, you know, will say, "Oh, if you like this guy's content, you'll like this guy's." And yeah. Now I just see like Texas fly, you know, <laughs> Texas saltwater fly fishers. Everyone's like, "Oh, I didn't think there'd be, you know, yeah, that, that much." But you know, it's no, you start digging into it. And there's a It's that was, that's that's the cool the coolest thing about it. Oh, the, the, the light died. The light died. The, the ambiance is gone. So my light died. So, but we still got a lot of daylight coming in. So I think it'll be all right. And if you're listening to this and yeah. you don't really care about the light dying because you can't see it anyways. Um, so 
kind of left off where we were talking about how, how we got together, and, and then we did. We went out on the water, and uh, what'd you think? No, I think it's cool, because I've only go, I've been kayaking yeah. a bunch. I've caught fish, mm-hmm. but it's still, I haven't put that pattern, you know, to yeah. together for it. And a few weeks, about a few weeks ago, I got myself a skiff, so... Having that and be able to cover water, yeah. be on a higher platform, being able to see fish, that just—I mean—that changed the game oh, yeah. for me. Like not knocking the kayak guys, it's a <laughs> great—it's a great way to get out and go fish. Yeah, but being able to cover more water faster, I think, especially for down here, is a big game changer. So, you know, getting on getting on your skiff. Uh, fast forward to us fishing. I mean, yeah. I've only fished on a boat for like maybe two or three weekends. Two or three weekends. Mm-hmm. So, being able to get onto a boat with someone who's done this way more is really been. Oh my god, I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I'm hungry. But <laughs> but uh, being able to get on the boat with someone who's done this before, I only see that as being really beneficial for me. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'll go out there and maybe I can, I can throw to a few fish, but maybe I'm not doing something right. Yeah. Cast or how I pull a skiff. And that's what I got from our fishing experience. Like, yeah, we, the first spot we went to, we saw a bunch, we saw a bunch of fish, got to throw, got to throw out a bunch of fish, had lots of opportunities. Mm -hmm. You know, we got to the edge of that flat, you know, we were saying, okay. We lost the fish. We weren't seeing any more fish. What changed? Yeah. Between that and, you know, looking down, it came to a very big, just grass bed, grass flat, as opposed to where we were fishing was a little bit more, I would say, sparse grass. Yeah, so, yeah. And... Yeah, the bottom kind of changed on us. And, yeah. And we weren't seeing as many. Yeah, so that's kind of cool to be able to run those ideas or those hypotheses back and forth with somebody to say, hey, this is what happened. Okay, move to another spot. Yeah. Move to another spot. So that was, that was, that's pretty cool to always, to have someone who's in the right mind. And I'm trying to learn. Yeah, yeah. Learn how to fish down here. Yeah. And it's, you know, I went for months just going crazy. I'm like, <laughs> what do I do? Like, like I have no idea. Okay, I paddle around this flat on my kayak all I see is mangroves what what do I what am I looking what for? am I looking for yeah and it's weird to think about you know how structure plays a little bit different role down here and yeah you know in the bass fishing world you can say oh I'm gonna go fish this riprap bank of crushed rock oh here's a grass tran- grass transition on there Here's a big lay down or a brush pile that someone sunk. You, those fish are on, though. You can see those fish are on there. Well, down here, it could just be a change in the type of grass yep. or anything. It doesn't have to be a change in water depth or things like that. It, it can just, it's those minute changes that can really change something down here. So that's really cool. So after, you know, a few different spots, we started seeing the, the black drum black down drum. here. And so I think. I was throwing a little crab, you know, overall kind of fly those red yeah. cracklings. Yeah, yeah. Little 
you know, overall kind of minnow, crabs, got legs. It can mm. kind of be anything kind of fly, but they were looking for it. So you switch it up to a little black fly, mm-hmm. and it was weird because I've never caught a black drum. Like, looking back some, you know, a year since I moved down here, I haven't caught a black drum. Yeah. Now, doing, you know, chasing a fish for the first time on the fly is completely different. But it was interesting the way you really have to finesse the, the black drum. Yeah. You know, redfish, they see something in front of them, they see red. Yeah. They're just going <laughs> to annihilate it, annihilate it. But just for wait the, till winter. No, no I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> but, you know, you, we were in a cove with just hundreds, hundreds just tons of black yeah. drum. They were everywhere. But, you know, you know, Peter said, hey, just slow it down. Yeah. And just really just ticket right in front of them and the water was still kind of kind of murky yeah i couldn't see my fly but i could see the arch of this fish its back almost sticking out of the water and i'm like okay my fly should be somewhere right in, like right next to them mm-hmm. but i see that thing you know do a 180 on him like okay he's look he's he's got to be looking he's at the fly something. he felt something you know i was kind of take that fly a little bit more but then i i never i never felt bite but I just felt my line just have tension on it, you know. You, you know, strip set, and there, you know, it was it was on, <laughs> it was on after that. So it's weird how I think it's cool to you know, see, yeah, see reds, just get them to yeah. bite. That's really fun. But you know, working for a bite, you know, really play playing the game, yeah, to get something yep. to bite. That's that's super cool. Yeah, in in, in my opinion, you know, it's really. When you really gotta work for it, it's just—it's a little bit sweeter. Whenever you, uh, yeah, you know, whenever, whenever you, whenever you land, you know, land that fish. Just wait till we start trying to catch sheep's head. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> we'll see about that. Uh, it's like you know, it's like you know, almost equate it to you know, going bass fishing. Yeah, in the winter, where you're just throwing a jerk bait all day long, jerk yeah. jerk paws all day. But you know. When that when that one fish gets you, that one fish of the day, yeah, you know, you know, gets you. It's like okay, you know, you you worked for it. It's a little bit sweeter when you do that, or you get a, you know, same with bass fishing. You get a fish to bite, even working a fish, that mm-hmm. it's just sweeter. But I think it's those the black drum were. That's definitely on my list to <laughs> to, to keep going after because I just think you know that add that little added challenge, you know, challenge yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah, it just makes it fun. And so one of the, one of the things that I don't we didn't really talk about that day, but when it comes to the black drum like that is is you notice did you notice like when we we got on them and we really didn't get a bite till I got the boat stopped. Yeah. Right. And then then you looked up and then once we got the boat moving they weren't hitting again. Yeah. So one of the things that that I've noticed with the black drum that you got to kind of be conscientious of is. Um, like anything that you're fishing out there, you're in a foot of water, they're going to feel that boat's presence. Yep. And the black drum especially, like if that boat's moving and pushing water around the black drum, they'll shut off their bite. So one of the things that you can do, like and you get into a situation like that where you're, you're in a, a bunch of them, you know they're there, is, is park the boat, jump out, and start walking after them. Because yeah. your two feet don't push, you know, you walking through the water won't push as much. And I mean, I, I thought about, while we were out there, I thought about, parking the boat and trying to run out, run around after yeah. him was it mean the sun was kind of going down so it's like well, let's get out of here but no that's 
that, that was cool because I mean that happened to me yeah. while I was on my boat. I was I went to a flat and a little bit I was in clearer water yeah. than we were in, but I just started throwing like what is like what is that in front of me? And it was just hundreds of mm-hmm. black drum, and still I was throwing that little redfish crack on they want nothing to do with it. I'm like, I know these fish. Yeah. I know these fish yeah. can see me. I'm almost on top of them. <laughs> you know, I've seen them just follow that fly down and yeah. just stare at it. And they're like, nope, no, I don't, I don't think so. But yeah, it, yeah, that, that was, that was cool. I was in about, I don't know, I was in about four or five foot of water whenever. Seeing those, them. Yeah, seeing them. So, I mean, I'm only five ten, so waiting would have been a little bit, a little bit weird. Yeah. But no, I was like, okay. Something's gotta, something's gotta change. Yeah. I just like you know, until I went fishing with you, I didn't know what that change, what yeah. that what that change was. Yeah. Going back to finding people fishing and learning, you know, it was somebody. Yeah. So you know, I know, you know, little black flies, little black flies, <laughs> or green. Yeah. No, and that's I mean that's one of my my favorite things is is uh, when you get into like like black drum like that is is you can switch it up and i mean I, i'll tell you like that little black fly that we were using um if you, if you get redfish that are finicky you can work it the same way where you just let it sit on the bottom and let yeah. the kind of ticket let the redfish find it mm-hmm. um and they'll pick it up and that's you know it's kind of the same thing you're trying to do with sheep said sheep said though they'll just as soon as the fly hits the water they just they're in the next county. Yeah. And yeah. They're just, that's a whole different animal. I'm, I'm not even going to act like I know how to catch a sheep set because I haven't caught one. Uh-huh. I haven't either. I've, I've thrown at them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thrown at tons of them. But it's like, oh, you, they sense anything wrong. They, they bolt. Yeah. No, uh, no, I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me and talk about, talk about your channel and background, everything. Uh, I'm looking forward to hitting the water some more. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Um, you guys listen definitely check out parker's channel give him a follow give him a subscribe on everything um i'm excited to see some of those videos about how to grow really big bass yeah i don't have a pond yet but maybe one day yeah if i can convince some <laughs> hoa owners to let me stock their pond yeah i mean if you get into five pound bass you know there's a pond down the street we'll throw some in there yeah <laughs> i won't tell anybody but no yeah i know i enjoyed having this conversation yeah. you know everybody i know it's peach channel but go check go check him out <laughs> as well but yeah no it was really cool yeah we'll be on we'll definitely be on the water yeah. be on the water again we got i got more stuff to learn but yeah, yeah we got we got more uh more stuff to go see and go fish for yeah cool so, all right thanks thank, thank you <laughs>